Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Whatever time you listen to this, thank you all for tuning in to the show once again. I am your host, Tavares Wilson of Last Word Productions, and I always get the last word, you know. <clears throat> so we're going to go a little different direction today. I, I posted a Q&A, you know, just in case you guys wanted me to talk about anything specific or you wanted me to elaborate on anything, whatever the case may be. But I'm going to start off with a little bit of NFL NBA news. I'm going to start off with NFL news for starters. More players have hit the COVID-19 list. Some big name players you had. Guys, you had two running backs out of Baltimore, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Both will miss their Thursday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, I should might I might add. So that would be two huge losses for those for that team. And it is still a rivalry game, a rivalry game, so I'm expecting it to be competitive, ultra competitive none the least, regardless of who's in the backfield for the Ravens. And they still had Gus Edwards, a guy who I think should have got more carries instead of less. So with the emergence of J.K. Dobbins, that wasn't truly happening. So I think he's gonna get a chance to showcase his skill set this coming this coming game. And I just feel as if this may be the game that the Steelers want to circle in their calendar. They're facing a rival. They're going into, <clears throat> excuse me if you hear a dog in the background, my apologies, but they're going into this week 10-0, you know, best start in franchise history. The Ravens would love nothing but to end, it, end their run in all honesty. And... They probably felt as if they should have won the last time they played. I mean, the Ravens had over 200 rushing yards. Outside of a couple of miscue turnovers and mistakes, the Ravens played more than well enough to win. The Steelers just did what winners do. They found a way to win. But to me, it's going to be things like that that's going to add fuel to the flame for the Baltimore Ravens. They they want this game, man. Don't make no mistake about it. They will hate the how they rival leave out undefeated after facing them. It's it will be crushing to that franchise, especially being the fact that I believe they lost three of their last four. I mean, they haven't been hot lately. They're definitely not the same formidable foe that they were last season. And Lamar Jackson isn't the same well, he isn't playing the same MVP caliber football he did a season ago. So it's time to start taking it's time to start taking notice to this team's struggles and it's time to start expecting more. Not just holding them to a standard, but you know, when you expect more from somewhere, someone, due to the fact that they're not being as successful as they could be, then you have to start be like, okay, you have this, you have that, you got all the talent, make it happen. So, another key player that has hit the COVID-19 list is Adam Thielen, the all-pro receiver out of Minnesota. I think losing him is a big, big, big loss if he can't play because of the simple fact he's their security blanket, man. I mean, I know on third down, it'd be usually you would look for dudes, big body dudes, tight ends, quick little slot receivers across the middle, things like that. Thielen, he's he's all of that for the Vikings, man. He moves the chains consistently whenever they need any short yardage situation, whenever they need a 
15 yards, whenever they need a first down, touchdown, doesn't matter. Thielen is there. He's the security blanket for Kirk Cousins. Even though Justin Jefferson has emerged as a legit receiver, which I knew he was going to be. I wanted the Dolphins to draft him, but that's another topic for another day. He is still this team's number one go-to receiver. He's still this team's number one security blanket, even with Kyle Rudolph on the team. And even with Dalvin Cook on the team, he's the guy that they're going to depend on when they need it the most. And you see it whenever they drop back to pass the ball. He's always the first read because nine out of ten times, he's beating his guy off off the line, off the rip. So I think that's actually a pretty huge loss for them if he isn't able to go their next game. And the Dolphins left. They lost. I'm sorry versatile guard slash tackle Jesse Davis. I mean, I'm not the biggest Jesse Davis fan. I'm not huge on him at all. I feel as if he should have been replaced. He's he's a he's a reliable backup guard slash tackle because he can play both positions decently well. Okay, it's not nothing to you know brag about or write home about. It's, it's just he's he's good enough to still make a roster. I just think losing him, and he's been a starter the entire season, whether it's been tackle or guard, losing him is big, and it's it's just something that you have to start working towards to replacing. And they got a lot of rookies along that line. Man, you got Solomon Kinley, you got Austin Jackson, you got Robert Hunt, which who all struggles in that loss against Denver. I mean, they absolutely struggled. It was horrible. But again, another time, another day. But I just wanted to mention those key guys that are in the protocol, COVID protocol and the COVID list. It is it is a big loss for the teams, but I mean everyone knew coming in the season these things were going to happen. I mean guys were going to test positive. Guys were going to get it. They were going to miss games because of it. I mean, it was inevitable. I mean, it's here to stay. So at this point in time, it's just about adjusting. And I think the the league may have not done as good enough job as the NBA did with this, but they're doing what they can. Because you, you can't ask fit a 55, 53-man roster to go to a bubble and play. I mean, it's, first of all, it's, it'll be 20 times more people. And secondly, I don't know where in the world they could even host that because it's not like it's an arena. This is a stadium. That that's two different, two completely different setups. So it 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 will be hard to make something like that happen in the NFL. But I mean, is it possible? Yeah, I mean, of course it's it's a billion dollar company and business. They can make anything happen if they wanted to make it happen. But it'll still be difficult nonetheless. Okay, I'm going to get into the NBA news of recent. It's not really news, but it's something I want to discuss about with some young teams. I feel as if that the Hawks picking up Bogdan Bogdanovich. To me, I'm still perplexed that he even chose to not play with the Bucks. I mean, he was going to get his money regardless. So it's not about the money. 
And he was going to a contender with Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. I mean, you come in, you legit give this team probably the best starting five currently in the league. And then y'all still have a solid bench. To me, it it just doesn't make sense of why he would want to go play for the Hawks, a team who hasn't won anything ever. Versus the Bucks, who have a the back to back MVP, just traded for a all NBA caliber guard on both sides of the ball. I should add, and Chris Middleton, a guy who I've said on multiple occasions is extremely underrated. So it just doesn't make sense to me that. He would like to, he would elect it to go play for Atlanta versus getting the same money and a signing trade with a contender. To me, it just, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. It doesn't make sense to me at all. I think the Bucks would still be fine because they kept their depth in like Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson and guys like that. So I think they'll be fine when it comes to a depth standpoint. I still think they got better with the Drew Holiday trade. I don't, I don't see how people not believe they got better. I mean, Drew is a significant upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. He's far more consistent of a score. He's just as good as the NBA defender, maybe even better, because he's regarded as the best defensive guard in the league. It's not so many guys coming out saying Eric Bledsoe is, is the hardest guy they ever had checked them. No, it's multiple guys around the league amongst his peers that says Drew Holiday is the best defensive guard in the league. So that speaks volumes to me. And he is not, it's a huge difference. We're not going to ignore the five to six point difference per game between the two scoring. It's And he dishes more assists. And he shoots better from the field. So it, I'm not ignoring those facts. He comes in and he makes Chris Middleton something he should be, a third scorer. Despite the fact that I like Chris Middleton, I think he's a good player. He's not a number two option on the championship team. At this point, you just got to realize he's not. It, I mean, it hurts me to say because, like I said, I'm a Chris Middleton fan. That's my guy. But it's not him. It's not. And they. I think the Bucks realize that. I think they've come to accept it. They already gave him his max money, so they got to make do what they can with what they have. And he's coming in as the third scoring option behind Giannis and Drew. They still got a good bench play. I think the, I think the Bucs can honestly make a, another run. I mean, I don't, I don't consider them favorites necessarily because it's early, but they, they should be considered. All right, y'all, we're going to get into the Q&A. <clears throat> I'm going to start off on Facebook where more majority of the questions came from. And this first question comes from Larry Green Jr. What are your expectations of the Dolphins over the span of the next five weeks? My expectations, man, I just want them to be competitive. I don't. I don't want it to look like what it did against the Broncos where you look inferior to an inferior team. I don't want it to look I don't I'm not saying they need to go five and no anything like that. That's not happening. You, you got the Chiefs, the Raiders, Pat the Pats are still competitive. You know, you, you, you got the Bills still, you know, you got some games coming up that's not just winnable, all winnable for sure games. It's it's nah, it's not happening, especially against some of these teams. So I'm not going to sit here and say they need to go out and 
win all these games to make up for one loss. No. I mean, you just came off a five-game win streak. I mean, yes, it hurt to lose to an inferior team. Like, it always. But to me, my biggest thing and the biggest thing that needs to be changed, and I said this in my last podcast, they have to change the office of play calling for Tua Tagovailoa. It's not going to – they're not putting him into the best position to be successful with the play calling. Did he miss some throws last week? Yes. <clears throat> Absolutely. I'm not denying that. Did he play his best game? No. That was by far his worst throwing game I've seen of him thus far. Now, people want to say, oh, he had an injury, this, that, and the third. I'm not giving him excuses. He went out there. He played. Get it done regardless. If you choose to play, you chose you elect to lace up the, the cleats, you go out there, you give a, a, a performance. You don't go out there and miss drag routes and go routes consistently. No. I'm not giving him the pass on that. I know he's a hard worker. I know he's going to look at the film of this game and take it to heart because he wants to be great. I know. I see it in him. I see how he talks, how he carries himself. I know he wants it. So, no, I'm not going to give him a pass. But I expect the play calling to be better, though. They have to set him up to be successful. They have to. This five to ten book of plays they've given him, it's figured out, man. The, the Broncos played the, the, the rollouts and the bootlegs exceptionally well. They covered all the drags and crossing routes. The go routes weren't there, despite the one that he did miss. It, they just weren't there. You, you've got to give them a chance to be successful. When Fitz came in the game, they spread the offense out and they let him pick away at a defense that should have been having that. They should have been having their way with, if I'm being honest. I mean, Matt Ryan, just the other week, torched these guys. I mean, it's, 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 it's just not something that should happen. Uh, when you look at it from that perspective, it's just... It's just they have to be better. I want them to just look competitive, man. I don't know how realistic the playoffs is at this point because there are a lot of 73-6-4 teams. So I don't know how realistic of a goal that is at this point. And they have a tough stretch coming up after the Bengals game. So, I mean, if they were to still make the playoffs, I'll be extremely impressed. But we'll see, man. Next question is from the same individual, Larry Green Jr. Who is your front runner in winning MVP this NFL season? To me right now, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it was Russell Wilson. He was running away with it for the first month of football. But after that, I believe he's up to, I believe, 14 turnovers on the season, if I'm not mistaken. I think I know he has 10 interceptions. I think he has four fumbles. I'm not sure. But I know for a fact he's around 13 or 14 turnovers. To me, that eliminates you from the conversation. I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't be top three in voting, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went another season without receiving a vote because that's what killed him last season in his MVP talks. The, the conversation was definitely between him and Lamar last season. That last month of football, he just played horrible. I mean, it's... You know, it's not 
usual, you would say those words in the same sentence with Russell Wilson. But yeah, the the man did not play good. He he looked relatively pedestrian. He looked like he couldn't read a defense. He looked and he looked like he was forcing throws he didn't need to make. Just like in the this past the game they played against the Rams. Those two interceptions he threw to Darius Williams. I mean, the one in the, in the end zone was just absolutely horrible. It was like a it looked like a rookie mistake. That's it's it's just it's just a lot that he it, he's doing those type of plays that he usually don't do. And to me, that kicked him out of conversation. I believe Aaron Rodgers is still in the conversation as well, but I don't think he's doing enough to be favored to win it. I mean, he's playing exceptionally well still, but he's. He's not doing enough to me, at least, to being the favorite to win. So to me, right now, it's Patrick Mahomes, man. I mean, he, his team's only lost one game, game winning drive, touchdown on the last drive against the one team they did beat them, a division rival. Threw an interception this game, didn't blink an eye, didn't bat an eye. I mean, it just won the game. To me, he's got to be it. Next question from Lay Green Jr. again. Who would you build your franchise around? Luka Doncic or Trey Young? To me, this is easy. Luka. No, that's no knock against Trey. There's no knock against him. I think Trey Young is a very good player, a credible shooter, a credible offensive talent. I think he'll be good for years to come. But Luka Doncic is simply different. He's special. He's a we're talking about a guy with 6'7, 6'8, 230, 235. Quick as a guard, quick as his feet as a guard. Can has all the all the moves in his bag. I'm talking about the dribble, the the shot creating. His shot isn't as consistent as you would like it to be, but he's young still, so it will get better. Beat you off the dribble, get to the basket, finish, get an and one, make free throws. Free throws shooting can be better with him as well. But again, he's young; it will get better. And he's shown that he could take a team in the West to the playoffs as the number one option and win a couple games as the only scoring option. To me, man, you can't you can't deny him that, man. Trey Young hasn't even had a winning season yet. I think it has to be Luka without question. This next question comes from Will Parker. Do you think the Ravens still make the playoffs? I think they have to. I I mean, it's not that I don't believe they won't, because I think they can and I think they will. But if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be huge controversy in the media about this team and about Lamar Jackson and Harbaugh, Greg Roman, these guys. Like, it's, it's going to be chaos for the offense because the defense has played exceptionally well man I mean outside of a few few runs and a few plays this defense has been legit and I mean they have to make the playoffs if they don't it will not look good for them but it will not look good for them they have to Will Parker with another question do you think Steelers will go 16-0 and do you think the Jets can go 0-16? I don't think the Steelers go 16-0. Like I said, I believe their game against the Ravens is going to be their toughest game. Not not based on a talent perspective, but based on the fact that they're playing a division rival 
and these guys, they want to get give these guys their first loss. I know they're itching for it because they're still losing Ravens team. They don't like each other. <laughs> the players may not necessarily have beef or anything like that, but the rivalry has been built in since the beginning of time with this with these two franchises. They they trust me. If they can, if they can end this streak, they will. <clears throat> and as far as the Jets go, Man, as long as Adam Gase is the head coach, I don't see this team winning the game. I'm not even going to lie to you. Adam Gase is a horrible coach. I, I've said it even the season when he um, was with the Dolphins and we went to the playoffs. I, I said that if it wasn't for the miracles of Matt Moore coming in for injured Ryan Tannehill and Jay Ajayi being a four or five game stretch monster, this team would have been 4-12. I mean... It was a fluke, man. He's not a good coach at all. He's is he's just a horrible coach, period. I could get into that, but I'd rather move on to the questions. This next question comes from Quincy Charles. What's your NBA slash NFL sleeper team? Well, my NBA sleeper team, I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna go with the Mavs in the West. And in the East, hmm. I thought about this a little while because it's it's one of the two teams in the East I think that could actually challenge. But the number one East sleeper, I'm going to have to say the Hawks. And I say the Hawks because I think they've added a bunch of talent, man. I, I, don't, I think they got better on the defensive side on the bench. They don't have any legitimate starters who are like, all ABA caliber. I think Clint Capella is a really good rim protector. Let me just add that because I don't want anyone to think I'm thrashing Clint Capella at all. I think he's a good rim protector. But outside of him, Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, John Collins, you know, I mean, they just, they just don't they don't have it. Like on the defensive end, I think they could go out and score points for sure. Like, I mean, they they got guys who can shoot. They got guys who can finish in the lane, but who are they going to stop is, is my whole thing. And I just think that they're going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that they can score points. That's why I'm giving them a chance to be a sleeper because I honestly think this team can if, they can, if they can find their rhythm offensively and stay in the rhythm, like how a lot of the good teams do. Ooh, boy, look out, man. And the the Mavs, I say them because of the simple fact. Listen, I'm going I'm to say what I th- thought it should be. If the if Christos Porzingis played the Clippers series, they win. If he doesn't go down with an injury and he doesn't get ejected that first game, they win. I think they win that series in seven. They could have won it in six. <clears throat> It was a competitive series, despite the fact that Chris Tarsprazingas missed the what the last two games of the series. It it was just absolutely mind blowing to me how good they looked as a, as the young team they are, <clears throat> how polished and poised Luca looked in the big moments, especially in this game when he shot when he hit against Reggie Nelson first. I'm not Reggie Nelson, Reggie Jackson. But at first, I was a thing of beauty. <clears throat> that step back. Pull back dribble, 
<clears throat> Beautiful man I mean that's all I can say I think with Luca and Chris Mind you I, I'm assuming Chris Tosperzingas Is going to be healthy He's He's been a healthy scratch his entire career, if we're being honest. I mean, he's had a lot of leg injuries. Yeah. And as a seven-footer, man, it don't get easier when it comes dealing with leg injuries. It don't. So I'm, I'm assuming he's going to finally go a season where he's not nicked up. I know he's supposed to be he's in jeopardy of missing the first, the beginning of the season. So... That's not starting off well for them either, but I'm assuming once he does get back and he's healthy, he'll be good enough and healthy enough to help this team take that next level, take that next step. Okay, well, let me go to the next question. This is Larry Green Jr. again. Who is your favorite NBA lottery pick? I'm going to have to go to Melo Ball. I think I think the Hornets got an absolute steal. I think they got the best player in the draft. I'm talking. We're talking about a guy who, even though he's inconsistent at times, but he's a special passer, great playmaker. I'm talking about he can set guys up. He can create for himself. He can get any shot on the court that he wants. And I think with a little bit more coaching and a little bit more time in the weight room, he could be a, a great finisher at the rim as well. And I think that's something. He has in his arsenal because I've seen him do it, but he doesn't do it enough because he's more of a finesse player than a you know a gritty type drive first slasher. I mean he he that isn't him, but it can be added because I feel as if he's more than athletic enough. He's not a Derrick Rose versus Westbrook type of athletic guy, but he's more than athletic enough to get to the rim and finish. To me, it's just about putting on the weight to do it. The next question is from Lamar Bryant. Do you think the Chiefs repeat? Strong possibility, man. How I was looking right now, that offense looks virtually unstoppable. I mean, I can't, outside of the Raiders game that they lost this season, I can't remember a game that they had below 30 points. I mean, this, this offense is too explosive, man. They, they have too many weapons and they have too many ways they can beat you. They can run the ball with the two really good backs of Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards. They can beat you deep, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman. <laughs> then I didn't even name the all-pro tight end and Travis Kelsey. I mean, this, this team is loaded, <laughs> okay? They, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they repeat again. I, I think they have a very, very good chance if I'm being honest, because I think the AFC is right now is miles better than what the NFC is right now. I mean, you look at the NFC East, they got a 3-6-1 and one team as a division leader. <laughs> yeah, man, I think the AFC is by far the superior conference currently. Next question is from Will Parker. Who you think would be the rookie of the year in the NFL and future rookie of the year for NBA? Um, I'm going to do the defensive and offensive rookie of the year for the NFL. I think the offensive rookie of the year will be, I'm going to have to say Justin Herbert. I think he's going to take it. He's looked great in the games he's played. He has made some rookie mistakes because, again, he's a rookie. 
But he, he's looked great, man. He's looked phenomenal for the Chargers, and he's definitely looking like he can be built upon for the future. Strong arm, big body quarterback, athletic. I mean, that's exactly that's the mold you want. That's what you want out of a, a QB for the future. And defensive rookie of the year. Mm. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna oh man, I'm gonna say Julian Love. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Julian Love. I think AJ Terrell has played good in his limited minutes, not minutes, but limited snaps. But I think Julian Love is emerging as a a legit safety in this league. I think he's I think he's emerging as a legit safety. He's making plays week in, week out. I think he's a guy that's I mean, it's 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 hard for me, but Oh, I'm sorry, not Julia Love. It what's the what's the safety name for the coach? Oh my goodness. I don't not it's it's, it's leaving my brain right now. Hold on, I, it's gonna kill me if I don't remember this. I'm sorry, y'all. What's his name? What's his name? Gotta look this up because it's gonna kill me if I don't find out. Julian Blackman. There we go. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know why that name just left my mind, but I think he's emerging as a a front runner to win it week in week out. He's playing great. He's coming up and he's forcing big plays, forcing turnovers. I think he should be a guy who should be considered. And as the NBA rookie of the year. Mm, I'm going to go LaMelo Ball again, man. I think Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman and even um, Patrick Williams, I, even though I think he was drafted high, but I still think Patrick Williams is a good player. I think LaMelo is going to emerge as this team's number one scorer off the bat. I don't think any other guys – Anywhere else that they'll draft, they are going to be relied upon early and quick as he would be. So I think he'll have a green light. So I'm going to say LaMelo wins NBA Rookie of the Year. This next question comes from Noah Rogner. Who is your way to early NBA Finals matchup? Mm. Well, I think the Lakers will come out the West again. So I think they'll go. And as far as the East goes... I would love to see the Nets go because I want people to realize how overrated KD little championship run with the Warriors was. But I don't even like them to come out the East. I think to the two teams I think that could come out the East is either the Bucks or the Heat. I mean, the Heat showed me a lot, man. And I think they're one piece away from being an over-the-top favorite to win it all. And... It's still, it's still some time left. They could go out and make some something happen. But we'll see. Next question comes from Will Parker. Should the Ravens fire their OC? No. I think Greg Roman is doing a great job for the Ravens. I think everything they want to do well and excel at, they're doing. I mean, they want to run the ball. They want to be a run first team, power run, option runs, sweeps. 
They're doing that all at a high clip, even despite the fact that teams know they're a run-first team. They're low in the boxes. So, no, I don't think he should be fired. What I do think should happen, though, is they need to start implementing more deep balls for Lamar Jackson to throw. Some of that is because they've seen that he struggles with it, and some of it is because they see that it's simply not their strength on their team, which is fine. But you have to keep defenses honest, man. And if you're not going to pass more than 12 to 15 yards a game, maybe once, maybe twice in one game, they're not going to play it and they're going to load and check you at the line and make life more difficult on these short, intermediate, immediate routes. It's just not going to happen. And to me, it's... It's going to be difficult, man, if he can't find that deep ball accuracy or that deep threat on his team. I think Hollywood Brown can beat it. I really do. He has world-class speed. He's a good route runner. I think his I think his hands can be a bit better. I think he his catching can be a bit better. But he could definitely improve upon that. But, no, I don't think Greg Roman should be fired. What you think about Lamar's? Passing struggles from Quincy Charles. Oh, wow, that's coincidence that I walked right into that. But um, <clears throat> to me, man, I think it dates back to when he was in high school. I mean, he's never, he's always been a much better athlete than other guys he's played with or played around. Let's just call it what it is. High school, college at Louisville. I mean, he's never been asked to stay in the pocket and make plays with his arm. He's never been asked to. Despite the fact that he's been a quarterback his entire life, he's always relied on his athleticism because he knew at the end of the day he just was always going to be the better athlete on the field, the best athlete, I'm sorry, on the field, the fastest guy, whatever the case may be. But that has to change now because, because at the end of the day, you have to realize that these guys in the NFL, not only are they good athletes themselves, but they they watch the film better than anyone you have ever competed against in your life. So they're going to know your tendencies. They're going to know what you like to do. And they're going to know the even the moves you like to put on dudes to escape. So with what not almost three years worth of film on him the guys know what he likes to do they know his tendencies they know the play callings they know the play calls which surprised him i believe that was what two weeks ago he made that statement that guys were actually calling out the plays at the line i mean he has to understand this is the league this is the nfl these guys watch film too on the defensive side they gonna know some of the formations and plays you're running because of the formations so he he has to be aware of that. And I'm not sure if he's not fully grasping what a defense is showing him at times, but his his pass selection is becoming a bit questionable. I mean, he he's throwing some errant passes. I mean, he the other night when they played the Patriots and they had lost, he threw an almost intercession to Devin McCourty that I just thought was like, why? He, he, I forgot who he tried to hit on the, the deep end, but it was completely covered, even if Devin McCourty wasn't there. So sometimes I just be wondering, like, what exactly he sees. I think he's struggling with his eyes right now. 
he just has to me he has to just revert back to what he was remain calm and just take what the defense give you this next question comes from Jimbo McFall can Le'Veon Bell work his way back to a number one back next season on any team I believe he can to me at the end of the day Le'Veon Bell is still an extremely talented guy he has all the tools to be successful I think he's not getting the burn he wants to in KC right now because of they have they, they have a complex offense man let's just be honest I mean you're not going to learn that offense within three four weeks it's not happening I mean you, you're not learning most offenses within that time span so I know he's not learning the KC offense so that's why you see him with the limited touches and limited snaps because it's a complex offense to learn once he gets with a team where he could fully grasp and dive into the playbook and indulge himself with different coaches and teammates. I think he'll be perfectly fine. The Jets are just the Jets. The Jets are absolutely horrible, man. I don't I don't understand why people didn't understand that. I don't even understand why he signed there. But Jets are the Jets. They're terrible. I mean, you could look at any legit talent they've had on the Jets. You see them leave the past two seats. Look at Robbie Anderson, perfect example. Light, he lighting it up for the Panthers right now. But when he was with the Jets, he was a just a potential guy. Now he's a legit guy. Next question comes from Lamar Bryant. Who do you think the best duo behind Braun and AD in the NBA? Mm, I know some people would say Chris Tops and Luka. Know some people say Kawhi and Paul George. Some people might even say Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, despite the fact we haven't seen them play together yet. But I'm gonna go with Jamal Murray and the the Joker. And I say that because I think those two, in terms of playing together at a high clip and a high level. I think they play together as well as any duo in the league outside of LeBron and AD. Because I think LeBron and AD complement each other with games well at this point of their careers. And I think Jamal Murray and the Joker complement each other extremely well. I mean, that two-man game that they run down the stretch of games, at times it seems virtually unstoppable. It really does. And it... And what makes it even more crazy is that teams know it's coming and they still can't get a stop or force a turnover or a double team or whatever the case may be. And it's hard to defend a big who passes as well as Jokic. And it's hard to defend a combo guard and Jamal Murray who can score from anywhere on the floor. So... It's going to always be difficult when they run that pick and roll with each other. Or the pick and roll, pick and pop, the two-man game. It's, it's, going, to always, it's going to always be hard. It's, it is. But to me right now, behind Braun and AD, I think they're the best defensive duo. I mean, not defensive duo. The best duo in the league. Next question comes from Lamar Bryant again. Last one. Who do you think need each other more? Brady or Bill Belichick? I've been on record and I've said this multiple times. 
I feel as if Brady needs Belichick more than Belichick needs Brady. Now, I know t- people going to say, oh, well, look at the Patriots record there. I believe they were four and six. Okay, f- fine. Have we all noticed or not noticed that they had eight guys up out of this season due to COVID? Dante Hightower, Padgett Chung. They had four, not four. I believe it was five of the starters off out. I mean, not only do you have that, but you you lose your guy in Tom Brady, who has ran the offense that you wanted to run for years. And the guy that you wanted to keep originally is Jimmy Garoppolo has been gone for the past, what, three, four years? So now you go out and get Cam Newton, a guy who's a completely different skill set. So now you got to change your entire offensive scheme to fit him. You already don't have any receiver threats. You lose players this season due to injury, like Stephon Gilmore. And now you're even amazed to be even sitting at four and six, despite the fact that you're missing probably nine to ten starters. I mean, it's it's just, to me, it's remarkable that the the Pats can't even look competitive in some of the games that they're playing in. The Bucs have all the talent in the world over them. I don't want to hear anything about the Bucs being, I believe they're, what, 7-4 now because after the Rams lost. Brady hasn't not looked like Brady. Let's just be honest. He hasn't. I mean, did he have a good stretch of games at one point? Yes. But he, Bruce Aarons has spoken on this. He's literally struggling to read defenses. Now, if we were talking about a physical, you know, a physical diminish in his game, a blemish, fine. I understand he's in his 20th season. He's getting older. He's not getting younger. He's in his mid-40s. Okay. But the fact that he's struggling with the mental aspect shows me that the Patriots are putting him in position to succeed. They just were. They were telling him and showing him, listen, if this guy does this, you throw this. If this guy's bite down on this, you throw over the top or you do this or you do that. The fact that he can't read defensive defenses properly now at this point shows me that he was being set up for success in New England. And it's just... It's just overbearing at this point of people really believing that Belichick absolutely needed Brady. I mean, yeah, he needed a guy that could run the system. That necessarily didn't have to be Brady. Brady did do that the highest level out of every guy that's ever been there. But it didn't necessarily have to be Brady. Did it with Matt Castle. He could have did it with Jimmy G. I mean, to me, at some point, we just got to realize that, man. Okay, this next question comes from Charlie Ratliff. Does Bam deserve the deal Miami is giving him, or was he a product of how the season went? I believe Bam deserves the deal he's been given. I believe it was a, what, four-year, 168, 195. It was around there. It was almost a $200 million deal. I know that for a fact. But... I definitely believe Bam deserved the deal he has been given because of the fact he is a young emerging star. And 
despite his despite the fact that he's undersized at his position, he's a, a very good rim protector. His athleticism gives him, you know, an advantage over most bigs who are just big to the point that he can actually meet guys at the rim. So that's that's a plus for him. And to me, he has to expand his game a little bit more to the, on the offensive side, though. Like, I want to see him develop a consistent mid-shot, a mid-range jumper. If he can do that, his game will go to the next level easily. I'm talking about he could easily be a 20-10, 20-12 guy every night. Easily. Easily. I just want to see him develop that. I don't I don't think he's quite there yet in this in the top five center category. If you want to say this past season he was top five, you can definitely make that argument. But I don't think he's there just yet. But I definitely believe he deserved the money. I mean, you pay your young stars, man. You look, look at Brandon Ingram and look at Donovan Mitchell, look at Jason Taylor. You pay your young stars. This next question comes from Gino Peterson, is Brady really playing for a ring or for just numbers to feed his ego? To be honest with you, I think it's both. I think Brady is a very prideful dude. He's extremely competitive, as we all know, hates losing. So he wouldn't just come in to lose for numbers. That's that's not him. But at the same time, he does want to be recognized as the best to ever play. He may not ever say that. He may never say it. But a guy who enjoys the game as much as him, who enjoys and relishes the moments he, you know, genuinely is infatuated by, you want to be known as the best to ever live up to the expectations of those moments, in those moments, I mean. So I think it's a bit of both. I think he wants to win, and I also think he wants to lead the game as undoubtedly the best to ever do it. This next question comes from J. Jax Sanchez. Do you think fans are too impatient when you're on QBs? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say that because as a Dolphins fans currently, we know currently we all have a rookie quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa who hasn't just blew our minds away, but he he's looked good. He's looked, he's played well enough to win. He's he, he looked really good to me in the Cardinals game. But... I think people have to realize this. There was no offseason. There was no preseason. There, there, there really wasn't even a training camp, if we're being honest. I mean, all that stuff was cut either completely or drastically. So you're already asking a guy who hasn't played in almost a year to this point when he was asking to start to come in in the new offensive scheme Limited offensive weapons. I mean, I don't know if you we all know this, but the Dolphins in the league, their top three receiving options create bottom tenth in the league in the separation in yards and routes. That is horrible. Let me just add that, okay? So when you have all that and you take all that into consideration, it's going to be games where he doesn't look you know all that great. I mean, even despite the fact that I said Justin Herbert is playing exceptionally well. Listen, Keenan Allen is a top five receiver in this league. You can make the argument he's top five. If someone was to tell me Keenan Allen top five, I'm not arguing with that because you can argue that any day of the week. 
I don't necessarily believe he is, but you could definitely make that argument any day of the week. Mike Williams is one of probably the best con- contested jump ball 50-50 guy in the league. Hunter Henry, extremely underrated tight end, man. Extremely underrated. Got good running backs, even despite the fact Austin Eckler is hurt. Caleb Ballard just come in and gave him good snaps, though. And the offensive line is, is solid. It's banged up right now, but it's solid. It's good. So he has the team around him to be a successful offensive player. Tua doesn't have that, man. I mean, I'm not going out here to make excuses for the guy, but Keenan Allen, your number one option compared to your number one option, Devontae Park, is night and day who is better between the two. It's not even close, guys. So, I mean, fans have to understand that every quarterback isn't putting in the same situation, and it's going to defer I mean, Joe Burrow is throwing to a plethora of weapons in Cincinnati, and he couldn't win a game. He's hurt now because he couldn't get protected. Had to be patient with young guys, man. They're still grasping the environment. They're learning the game. I know they've been playing the position their entire lives, but it's a different level of skill set and athleticism at this level. That has to be understood. Well, next question comes from Anthony Jenkins. Are the Steelers only 10-0 because of their schedule, or are they serious contenders? Oh, the Steelers are legit, man. I mean, I know people want to talk about the emergence of Chase Claypool. They want to talk about Juju Smith. They want to talk about Johnson, the other receiver, the young receiver they got. They want to talk about the return of Ben Roethlisberger. Listen. This defense is playing lights out right now. They're, they, they're bending, not breaking. They're first in turnovers. Mika Fitzpatrick has paid dividends for them. That, that front seven, they lead the league in sets right now with guys like TJ Warden, Bud Dupree had to him. This team is legit. It's legit. I mean... I still, if, if I were to see them, if I were to pit them against the Chiefs right now, I'd still pick the Chiefs to beat them. But this team is legit, man. They could compete with any team on any given day, any given Sunday especially. And I think that they can make a run to the bowl. I don't I don't know if they're favorite to go because, like I said, I still think the Chiefs should be the favorite because they haven't showed you anything that will make you not consider them the favorite. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Pittsburgh Steelers win. Next question comes from Kenneth Hardman. Do DK Metcalf has a chance to be a top 10 receiver by next year? I I think DK Metcalf is the top 10 receiver right now. I mean, so for sure he could be one next year. I mean, it's... It's not 10 guys in the league that's better than D.K. Metcalf at his position right now. It's it's just not. I mean, some guys may make the top 10 based on their names, but these past two seasons, man, he's definitely been legit. And we're just looking off these past two seasons when he's entered the league. He's, He's in that argument. He's definitely top 10 to me. Next question comes from Anthony Jenkins. Who will win the NFC East? Who will win the NFC West? NFC East, I'm giving it to the Giants. 
Because I think they're the, the most well-coached team in that division right now. I don't believe in Dave Jones. And them losing Saquon Barkley was huge. But I think I think what Joe Judge is doing over there, I think it can't be ignored. He's showing that coaching matters, man. I mean, despite the fact that they, they don't have a lot of talents, they're competitive each and every game. I mean, you can't point at a game this season where they just absolutely got demolished or they were simply just outplayed by significant standards. I mean, to me, Joe Judge just turned the culture around there. All he needs now is his playmaker back in the backfield, maybe in a, another number one receiver. I think Darius Slayton has a chance to be that. But I think they got to realize Dan Jones is not it, man. He's not. I mean, I, I didn't like him coming out of Duke. I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was that good. I didn't like him coming out of college. I didn't like the fact that they drafted him in the top 10. <laughs> that was a terrible selection to me, if you ask me. And I think that. They have to realize what they have with him, despite the fact that he's a young guy, despite the fact that he's a guy who is someone people want to see succeed. He has all the physical tools, but he's just, it's it's not in his cars right now, man. I mean, to me, it's a certain pedigree you play with at the QB position, and he doesn't play with that. To me, he doesn't play with that. I think they have to move on, and I think that they have to go find their guy. I mean, every team needs a quarterback. So, if I was the Giants, I'm moving on from Daniel Jones. NFC West, now this one is tough. Rounds are playing good. Cardinals, they, they can be a bit hot and cold, but that, that offense can be explosive at any given Snap. Seahawks, they are playing good still, but their defense is horrible. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think the Rams on both sides of the ball are just a more consistent team. And I think they may. I think currently, I think they have the best coach in that division. I think Sean McVay is currently the best coach in that division. That says a lot because you got Shanahan there. You got Carroll. Clisberry, I, I don't know why Clint Clisberry gets the hate he gets. I think he's a good coach. But I think McVay got it right now. And I think they I think they should win that division. This next question comes from Benjamin E. Cruz. Who would you take as a coach right now? Bill Belichick or Andy Reid? This is a good question. This is a good question. I'll take Belichick still. Despite the fact that Andy Reid has had more success recently, I can't ignore the fact that Belichick built a dynasty with undrafted players and anybody and everybody. I mean, and all he showed he needed was the QB to ex- execute his system. That's all he needed. If, if he had the gun position, he, he could be a competitive team anyway. It took Andy Reid a long time to win that first Super Bowl. To make an appearance, actually. 
to make another appearance, I mean. So, I definitely think I'll still take Belichick. I mean, you you can't go wrong with either guy, if, if you're being honest. You just can't. Next question comes from Van Valsine. Valsine. He has three questions. Why isn't Danny Ainge fired yet? Listen, I'm not. No. He, he's fired because he's built a good competitive organization with young talent. So I'm not even going to answer that any further. Are the Raiders a Super Bowl dark horse? Okay, now this question is legit. I'm going to say no because I believe their offense is good enough to, to win and go to a Super Bowl. I think they're good enough to compete to go to the Super Bowl. But that defense just isn't it, man. I mean, hey, Jonathan, what is his name? Jonathan Abram? He's been hurt. And the games he has played, he's he's been a good downhill tackler, downhill safety, but his coverage skills are terrible. Damon Arnett, the too high drafted corner, he hasn't looked good to me either. I don't I don't like anything in that secondary, if I'm being honest. I hated the fact that they let go to Carl Joseph. I thought Carl Joseph was all right. I don't think, to me, he would have been their best safety for sure if he was still there. <laughs> but the defense just isn't good enough for me. Outside of guys like Matt Crosby and Corey Littleton, they really don't have guys on the defensive side that too much impress me. They, I will say this though, they made a, a huge turnaround from that Khalil Mack trade. I thought they that's paying dividends for them right now. Bigger threat to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The question from the same person to to end Pittsburgh in the regular season. I'm sorry, Ravens, Bills, or Browns. The biggest threat here, to to me, I think is the Ravens. Even though I think the Bills will be the the best team they play. I'm telling you, man, these division games, they're different. I'm telling you. Uh, next question comes from Javelin Stevenson. Do you think the number of minority coaches in the NFL will grow this offseason? Yes, I do. And it's because I'm looking at two guys in specific, Todd Bowles and Vance Joseph. I think those two guys have shown that they will – and can compete at this level as HCs. I think Todd Bowles had got a bad scratch at the Jets because, like I said, the Jets are the Jets. <laughs> that franchise is cursed. <laughs> I don't know what's I'm glad they're cursed as a Dolphins fan. That means we can get a guaranteed win or two every season. But I think Todd Bowles will have another head coaching job this upcoming season. And I think Vance Joseph... Despite that he he didn't he wasn't as successful with the Denver Broncos, I think someone else would give him another shake. I think he's a guy who can manage a, and to put together a really good defense and drop a good game plan for multiple teams. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if those two guys had got another crack at becoming HCs. And I think Todd Bowles definitely deserves one. I think again he had got a bad rep with the Jets. They did, that the one season they did have his first season, they they looked pretty good. It's just guys hit their peaks and they started regression. So 
Is I think Todd Bowles gets another crack at the lead. Okay, let's move on to the next question from Mike Vail. Will the Packers continue wasting Rodgers' career or will they actually look to buy this offseason with trades and off offensive weapons in the draft? Mike, at this point, man, I just feel as if Rodgers should have left. I'm not even going to lie. I, the Packers haven't drafted uh, – Outside of Jordan Love, which was an absolutely horrible pick, they haven't drafted a guy on the offensive side in the first round, and I believe, what it was, eight years, I think? It was eight or seven years. That just shows me you're not trying to build around your franchise guy. And that also shows me you don't think you all have enough right now to win it all. I mean, they had a chance to go out and get Will Fuller, a deep threat, a legit number two. And they didn't do it. I don't I don't understand I don't understand the thinking behind that. I mean, even if you're not thinking of Rogers, think of the betterment of the team. You bring in a young speedy receiver to complement your young future quick QB, you got a pretty good solid duo right there already. But no, they, for whatever reason, they pulled the plug and they didn't take the trade. I don't, I don't know what Green Bay's going to do, Mike, to be honest with you, but whatever they do at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a terrible decision. This next question comes from Tanner Cooper. Are the Rams the new favorite NFC? No. They're not the favorite in the NFC. <laughs> they're, they're not. I mean, they're, they're they're contenders, but I don't think they should be favored over the Saints, a healthy Saints team, or they should be favored over... <clears throat> or they should be favored over the... I still think the Cardinals can beat them any given Sunday, despite the fact that I think the Rams can win the, the division. I, I think the Cardinals... Causes a lot of matchups for them. Next question comes from William McComb. He has multiple questions. <laughs> Who's the most dangerous team coming out of the AFC? The more dangerous team, I'm sorry, coming out of the AFC. Still is the Chiefs. And why? I think the Chiefs are because of the fact that they're the defending champs. They have the best quarterback in the league right now. We might as well accept it. And Patrick Mahomes. They have a plethora of weapons he can play with. I mean, it's just it's just unfair at this point. <laughs> they could go out and give any team 35 to 40 points, regardless of who they have on the defensive side of the ball. And the defense, this is where this team took that next step. The defense is playing better and better each and every week. And it, it cannot be ignored that they are playing better. Are the Raiders or the Colts more dangerous playoff teams? Mm, I think the Colts have potential to be extremely dangerous. I'm just not a believer in Phillip Rivers. But that defense is legit, man. I love Darius Leonard game. I think Darius Leonard is very, very, very underrated. He's a guy that doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He is arguably the best linebacker in football, regardless of 
inside, outside, doesn't matter. I think he may be the best linebacker. Hell, let's see. Raiders, mm, I already answered that question. I don't think they're dangerous play, play on team because their defense. How far can Seattle make it with their terrible defense? If their defense continue, they look better their last game against the Cardinals. But like I said about the Cardinals, that offense could be hot or cold. And Kyler Murray did miss a couple throws that game. But if that defense continues to get picked apart like it has, this is the first on exit team. I mean, I know I said the NFC is behind the AFC, but the Seahawks will see a good team in the first round. It may very well be a team in their division, which they have struggled with. To me, I wouldn't be surprised if they were a first-round exit if that defense continuously plays historically bad as it has. Is Tom Brady going to cost the Bucs a chance at the Super Bowl? No, I don't I don't think they're going regardless. I mean, they have a chance to go. I think they they have more than enough talent to go to a Super Bowl. That's what I'm questioning, man, on both sides of the ball. But I don't think it'll be because of Brady that they don't go. I think it'll be because they're secondary if they don't go. Brady may make mistakes here and there, but their secondary, man, is, is not good. Their corners, Carson Davis, I think is was I think Dean is the other corner. Byron Murphy, Buttons, he he now Martin Button is actually a pretty good corner. I think he's a bit over aggressive at times, but he's a good corner. I like that safety situation, Antoine Winfield. With Antoine Winfield, he's a good young guy. Well, another guy I wanted the Dolphins to drive. But, you know, that's another time. But their corners, man, their corner plays, and it's a part of me. So I don't think it would be because of Tom Brady, though. Can Derrick Henry take the Titans back to the AFC Championship? No, he cannot, simply put. Uh, that run that they had was... One of the, you know, it's, every year it seems to be that one team that takes you by surprise. Last year was the Titans. I don't think he does it again. Are there any outside teams you could see sneaking into the playoffs? I think the Dolphins still has a chance. And mm, it's not really no one in the NFC I can see sneaking in. So I'm just going to go with the Dolphins. Will the Steelers' lack of a run game hurt them in the playoffs? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they have good receivers and they got a good QB, but in cold weather games, you want to be able to run the ball because, simply put, guys don't want to hit. They would rather defend the pass. They would rather play passes than to hit. So it would hurt them. Would it hinder them to the point that they can't go? I don't think so. I think they'll still be extremely competitive. Are the Saints able to win without Breeze? Yes. They showed that they can compete at a high level with Taysom Hill. I know they played the Falcons, but the Falcons has looked extremely better ever since the coaching change. So for them to go out and beat a divisional rival at that, like how they did, to me is impressive. Super Bowl predictions. Right now, I think the Chiefs 
I want to say the Chiefs in the If the Saints come back healthy, I think they'll go. Because I think their defense don't get enough love, man. I think the Saints defense is extremely underrated. So, I think that'll go. I'm not going to say who will win because, you know, I don't. I'm not getting into that right now. His NBA questions. Is LeBron still the best player in the league? Yes. Yes. And it's because he's coming off a championship year 17. I know people want to say this stuff like that, but it's simply put, to me, he's still the most complete player in the game. You look at guys like Giannis, lack lack of a true offensive scorer. He only scores in one or two ways, a dunk or for a bully ball. To me, that's, it's not overly impressive. I love Giannis as a player, but he has to expand his game. Kawhi Leonard, he's not a leader. Simply put, he's never had to be a leader in any situation. He has had to be the best player, but leader, no. And Kevin Durant, I don't know what he'll be coming off this injury. His game, I don't think he should be affected because his game never was off of athleticism and explosiveness, really. But you never know, man. And he has to show me he could win. And help a team win it all or even get there without having everything around him be perfect. What to expect from KD's return? Oh, good question. I just spoke on this. I expect him to start off slow. I expect him to gradually pace himself and work himself back into the game. I think by midseason, he'll look like the KD we all come to, you know, grown accustomed to. How will Harden fit with the Nets? He won't fit in the Nets because, one, he's not going there. And, two, if he does go there, it'll be a travesty. There's only one ball. Three ball-dominant players, it won't work at all. Can Curry take Golden State to the finals without Clay? Absolutely not. No, I'm not even going to expand on that because it's just not happening. Is Giannis staying in Milwaukee? If I was Giannis... It's out of one or two choices for me. It's Milwaukee or the Heat. So, it's 50-50. I think he will more than likely stay. But if he doesn't, I think he goes to the Heat. Are the Heat set to return to the finals? They have a very good chance. I don't know if they're set to go, but they have a very good chance to go back. Sleeper teams this year. I had spoke on this, I believe. I said, yeah, I did. I said the Hawks. I think the Hawks are a sleeper team. And I think the Mavs, yeah, the Mavs are my sleeper team out west. Are the Pelicans going to be a threat this year? They're going to be a playoff team more than likely. But a threat, no. This next question comes from Anthony Jenkins. Do you see Charlotte Hornets as a playoff team? Yes. I think LaMelo Ball, along with Devontae Graham, Malik Monk and now going Hayward. That's a pretty good starting five. I mean, they'll be able to score points. Defense may be a little, maybe a little shaky. Like I said with the Hawks earlier, they'll be able to score anyone in the league, but they'll have to be able to, they'll have to be able to play some defense eventually. 
This next question comes from Daniel York Jurchin. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, Daniel, but do you think Lakers will win back to back and can Steelers win at all? All right, I'm going to start off with the Lakers. I absolutely think the Lakers is going to win back to back titles because to me, they got better. I mean, yeah, they lost Ron Sarwando, but you replaced him with a run up sixth man of the year in Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, they lost Dwight Howard, but you replace him with a six man of the year in Montrez Harrell. And then you go out and get Mark Gasol, a guy who I'm not big on at all anymore. I think he's vastly overrated now. I think his name is selling <laughs> and getting him contracts at this point. But he still is a big body in the painted area, so he still can help you protect the rim, which they want to do. So it's not a huge surprise to me that they signed him. So, yes, I think this Lakers can will win it back-to-back. Can the Steelers win it all? Yes, they can. Are they favorite too? No. I think the Chiefs still should be the favorites to come out of the AFC. Okay, we got... Some more questions on them. I had to pull them up on a different app because it came from different sites. I'm sorry. Okay, so this next question is, what are your hopes about one rule change? What is one rule change you were making each league? In the NFL, this, oh, by the way, this question comes from Anthony James Precarto. The one rule change I would make in the NFL would definitely be the division leaders automatic playoff spots. To me, that is horrible. I mean, prime example is this is the NFC East. A, a team below 500 should not be in even in contention to make the playoffs, let alone make the playoffs. To me, that's absolutely horrible. They have to, to me, they have to do it. They can keep the divisions, you know, to keep the division rival thing going and stuff like that. But to me, they have to, they have to, they have to do the, the best eight seat, the best eight teams from each conference. To me, that's that's how it should be, to me. And in the NBA, it may not necessarily be a rule, but I'll definitely shorten the games. I mean, the best season to me still is the lockout season. When they played what? I think it was 55, 62 games. That was that seemed like the perfect season. I mean, to me, I would definitely shorten the games in the NBA. I think a lot of the games people don't care for because they know they don't pay huge dividends in the long run. So I would definitely shorten the NBA schedule, and I would make it one through eight for the best teams for the NFL playoffs. All right, my last question comes from Byron Johnson via Instagram. What is your opinion on the future of the NBA concerning its success? Do you think small market teams will be eliminated in the future? No, I don't think small market teams will be eliminated in the future. But I think they will continue to struggle when it comes to attracting big-name players. That's why you see teams like the Hornets overpay for a guy like Gordon Hayward. Because you just never see a big market, a big-name player go to a small market team like the Hornets or like Milwaukee or Indiana, like teams like this, you, you just usually don't see it because it's it's simply not attractive enough for that player. I mean, and I don't necessarily think it will affect the NBA's success. I think the NBA will be successful regardless of how it goes down, but 
I definitely think this team, those the small market teams, will always struggle to sign future players. But thank you all for listening once again. That is it for the Q&A. That is it for today's podcast. Again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel at Last Word Productions. And make sure you click the bell to get notified when I do upload new content. And remember, the podcast will stream on Apple, Google, Radio In, TuneIn, Spotify. I'm on all of that. So thank you all for tuning in again, and I'll see you all in the next one.